with Jesus joy brethren can we welcome God's own servant Reverend Dr. Chimeze Ayawo praise the Lord Just lift those hands up to the Father. Reverend Dr. Chimezie Claire Anyawu is a doctor of optometry with over 27 years' experience of consulting in both the public and private sectors. She's the Kenneth Hagen's Ministries Rema Bible Training Center, Nigeria 2013 Charter Class graduate with specialties in areas of supportive ministry and societal leadership. She is currently a core instructor of the same institution. With a strong calling to the healing ministry, she is presently the Rema Bible Training Center Nigeria National Healing School Coordinator. In this capacity, not only does she oversee the healing schools in all six campuses of the institution, she also itinerates nationally and internationally, helping partner churches and ministries to establish healing schools and train divine healing technicians. She's the head of the non-governmental organization, Claire Soup Kitchen Foundation, which is a helps-oriented ministry that feeds and clothes the poor and also partners with similar ministries with extensive outreaches to indigent communities. She's married to Uche, a lawyer with whom she also runs a marriage ministry that helps restore broken homes. Together, they have five lovely children. Father's house, please stand as we celebrate this personality in our midst today. Amen. Please, let's just lift up our hands to the only one we should actually be blessing this morning. Not man, not woman, but God alone. Unto whom all praise, adoration, power, majesty, worship must go to Father we give you praise this beautiful morning there is none like you who is like unto thee O Lord we've looked all around, we can't see any and so we worship you this beautiful morning that you have made Jesus we thank you for your sacrifice that can even make us come today to worship the Father. We thank you because we are heirs and joint heirs with you. Because of the work that you did, that's why we can come. We thank you because of your present day ministry at the right hand of the Father, making intercessions for us. We are grateful. We thank you because of your name that you left here. That at the mention of that name, every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, of things on earth, and of things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that you are Lord to the glory of the Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit, because you are here. You are the person of the Godhead that lives inside of us. Jesus said, speaking, he said, that it was expedient that he should go. Because if he did not go, the comforter will not come. And so he sent you our paracletos. You are the comforter and the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby, the teacher, the guide, the guard. The Bible says that you take the things that belong to the Father and you make them known unto us. The best of this is that you live inside of us. Not only is God with us, not only is God for us, but today God is in us. For that we are grateful, Holy Spirit. We thank you because you are helping us to manifest your glory. And this we will continue to do till the end of the age. We bless you for what you are about to pass on to us even this morning. Our hearts are open to learn of you, both the teacher and the hearer as well. Because you are the greatest teacher. And we propose to hear from you this morning. Not only shall we hear from you, we shall also put it into practice. Because you say is he that does the word that is blessed. So we are blessed because we propose to do. All glory to your name, O Lord. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Praise, praise the Lord. 
Thank you for having me this morning. Let's be seated. I know um, somehow something tells me she has eaten into my time. True or false? <laughs> Amen. And we run two services here. So um, let's see how far we can go this morning. Um, but the beautiful thing there is that um, we um, already have started this program two days ago, if I'm correct. Is that true? Friday, Saturday. So I'm sure you've heard so much, so much about the glory, about manifesting the glory, which is the theme of this conference. And um, I don't think, I, ha- I wasn't here anyways, but I'm, I believe that the Lord is going to help us so that I can bring in my own supply to what you have already heard and what has already been taught, you know, over Friday and Saturday. So um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about glory, but I wanted to say something. Permit me this morning, I'm a teacher. That's the ministry call that I belong to, a ministry gift that I have. So I do a lot of teaching. I can preach as well, but I'm hoping I can teach this morning. But permit me to say that the... um, the Bible verse you gave, which is that Romans, okay, I saw it, um, you know, you gave for this particular conference. Um, I would say, if you take it to Bible scholars, they may say it's not the best to put there in terms of manifesting God's glory now. Because if you read Romans 8 in context, it's talking about what will happen. Bible talking about, you know, the whole creation, growing it, and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. If you read it down, you will see it looks like something that will happen going forward. I'm talking about much later as Jesus comes and all that. But we are talking about glory that is supposed to be manifested when? Now, now, now. That's what we are talking about. So it's easy to read and say, okay, glory will happen later. Uh, you know, no, but that's not what we are saying. We are talking about how do you manifest God's glory now? How can it be done? I'm looking here. It's supposed to be a women's meeting. I'm seeing a lot of men. I'm very grateful to God for that. So it's going to be a message that I'm going to be sharing beyond the women. Because I realize that if there are people that need to be trained now, it will be the men, really. Hello? You see, I may not come here. I may not come back here again. Okay? Let me just put a caveat now. I may never come back to this assembly. You may never invite me again. So I'm going to be telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. You don't have to like me. Is someone understanding? Because over time, women have gathered and trained themselves to be better going forward. The people who have never done that and had that done for them are men. Is someone understanding? So the women get into marriages and they're expected to carry their marriages. They're expected to suffer. They're expected to do all these things because they have been prepared. They have managed to do the much they can. And because the men have not been trained for things that they are getting into, they have made a lot of mistakes. And I can tell you that going forward, we should begin to train our sons. Now, the problem with that is that the women who have been trained to do well in marriages, for example, relationships, for example, now get into those places, have children, and then forget that they should train the sons. So they still go ahead. It's been a cycle, training only the women. So you get into marriages, the women are trained. They know how to cook. They know how to look after the house. They know how to carry pregnancy for nine months. They know how to give birth to the children. They know how to train them. They know how to make snacks. They know how to help, do everything because they have been taught. But the men know nothing because they haven't been taught. Is someone understanding? Now listen, I can talk this because I also happen to be, with everything I do, I'm also... Um, a marriage counselor, all right? I belong to at least two um, faculties of um, two marriage um, institutions, you know, and, and we run um, classes regularly. That is beyond what I do in Rema. So I can talk. I know I have an idea of what is going on in marriages today, and I know where the shoe is pinching. So I'm going to be talking to both men and women. Are the women perfect? Far from it. Very far from it. But you see, there is a lot of work that must be done with the men. So I'm grateful to God today that I'm looking at men that are also here. Because for such meetings, you look around, all you see are women. Okay? But today, there are men. So I'm hoping that um, we can all learn jointly as sons of God. Because that's what we are. The women are female expressions of the Son of God. But all of us together are sons of God. Praise the Lord. 
Remember I said you don't have to like me. I'm looking at your faces. Did you know that I can see all your faces from here at once? (laughs) Praise God. Amen. Okay, let's look at the word glory. Okay, the English definition talks about magnificence and great beauty. Great beauty. Magnificence. Now, I believe there are some words we will never understand their meaning except we get to heaven. Fully. Praise God. No language can do justice to those words. For example, righteousness. You don't fully understand righteousness. It's just a little that you can get. If someone, when we say God is awesome, what do you think awesome is? Some people think awesome is the way America looks. Is someone understanding? You can't, there are some words you can't fully get till we get to heaven. Because those words are defined around God. Is someone understanding? And because we haven't seen God. Now, how do you even begin to define glory? How do you, what do you think God's glory is? You know, it was such that it happened when they were dedicating the temple. The Bible said that the priests could not even stand to dedicate the temple because the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So how can you begin to give words to such description? So, you know, we've come here, I'm sure, all through Friday till now, we've talked about the word glory. And people have tried to imagine what glory can be. I put it to you that you will never fully understand the picture of the word glory till you see God. There are some words like that. Glory is one of such words. Awesome is one of such words. Holy is one of such words. Holy. You know, when we say somebody is holy, you don't understand. You don't get it. God is holy. And when the Bible talks about God's holiness, you know, it says there is something, if you read the book of Revelation, which you should be reading, by the way, because when you read Revelation, you are blessed just by reading it. It's the only book the Bible says you are blessed just by reading If you read the book of Revelation, you know, they talk about the angels and the hosts of heaven and the elders. You know, they look around, they look around, they go around, they look around that majesty of God, and then they view his holiness and they bow. This is continuous. What is it that they are seeing that makes them bow per time? You can't explain it, you can't describe it. Holiness. Such words we will never be able to describe. We will never be able to completely understand English doesn't do any justice to it. There is no language for that matter on earth that does justice to that word holiness. So, but you know, English just says, the English language says, uh, is magnificence or great beauty. Okay, great beauty. Let's go with what we have been told. So let's even work with that. Praise God. But the Greek word for, you know, for glory is the word doxa. And it means dignity, honor, praise, worship. Now, kabod is the Hebrew word. That's the Old Testament. And it also means weighty, to, to ascribe weight to something. Okay? Splendor. Copious. You know what copious is? When something is too much. Copious. And then the word there again, honor. Praise God. Now, glory is synonymous with God. I'll give you a few scriptures. Okay? Like I said, it's one of those words you can't describe. For example, again, another word you can't describe apart from war, apart from God, is the word agape. Love. Praise God. Agape. Love. You really can't describe it. The Bible scholars said that word never showed up in the Greek lexicon until Jesus used it. Agape. Now, others were filial, all those other types of love, because we know we have different types of love. But agape never showed up until Jesus used it because it's a love that has not been seen before. Is someone understanding? So you can't explain it. How do you explain dying for people who are killing you? Agape. They are killing you and you are dying for them. And, and, you, are, and you are nicely, that you are, you are sub, subjecting yourself and giving yourself to them that they may strike you and kill you. And yet you are dying. What kind of love is that? You, you will never fully get it. People who have had Christophanies, that's Jesus coming on earth and visiting people, say that there's something about his eyes. That the eyes peak of wells of deep love. So that means you are talking about love that can almost be felt. Tangible. So there are words you can't describe is what I'm trying to say, except you see God. Praise the Lord. Now, God is the king of glory. Our God is the king of glory. You can see that in Psalm 24, 9 to 10. 
Bible says that lift up your head, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Then he asked, said, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. So our God is the king of glory. And he lives in glory. I'm trying to explain to you one or two things about glory so that we can understand what is expected of us when we are talking about manifesting his glory. So that you get out from this meeting understanding what you should do and the weight of glory. Praise God. So the Bible says that God lives in glory. We can see that in Revelation 21, 22 to 24. It says, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun. Talking about the new heaven and earth. Neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Now, that place is such a place that they don't need light. Because the owner of the place, the one who rules in the place, is light himself. Is someone understanding that? And then the Bible is saying that, that the light and the glory and, the, and everything, the brightness that is shining in that place is such that the other kings of the earth submit their glory. <laughs> you know, when you get to a point where what you carry is fake, so you see something that is more original, so you know when nobody tells you, you submit the one you have. <laughs> so that's what, you know, they said is happening here. Because our God himself lives inside of glory not is he, not only is he the king of glory he also lives inside of glory praise the lord now in the old testament the glory of the lord appeared in different ways it could appear as cloud as smoke as fire i've been to meetings where the glory cloud rolled in and you know looking at it you can see a cloud i'm sure some of us have been to such meetings or you see a smoke or something you know, or sometimes there is fire actually in the building. We were once having a meeting in the university, you know, um, you know, I got born again in the university, and people were running into the auditorium because they said there was fire in the, on, the, on the roof. We were not seeing the fire. And they were trying to um, call um, the fire service. Thank God, you know, our fire service doesn't work in Nigeria. So <laughs> by the time they gathered, you know, to try and see what was going on, we had finished the meeting. But people saw fire and the smoke. It looked like. So what were they seeing? You know, when God wants to do some things, you can't really hold him back. You know, the only thing is that he's giving man opportunity to repent. If he were to come down here and to show a little bit, just, just a tiny bit of his power, I'm telling you, the whole earth will turn around. But he's still giving man time to, to repent. Praise the Lord. Now, let's look at that Romans 8, which is the scripture, you know, that we have for this particular meeting. Starting from 18, it says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the endless expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Why I'm saying this is when you read down from 20, it says, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. So, you see, this scripture is talking about a time when our bodies will be redeemed. Okay, so... It, the whole, if you just stop at that 19, yeah, the endless expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. In what way? You know, the time that our bodies will be redeemed. That's what this particular scripture is talking about. But I'm here to tell you that beyond what this scripture is saying, that there is a glory that is expected of Christians to be manifest, to manifest now. Praise God. That glory must be manifested now. It must be manifested in your workplace, in your family, in your career, in your, in your extended family, in your marriage, amongst your children, in training people, in friendships. There is a glory you carry. That's what I came to say. And that glory must be seen wherever you go to. When that glory is seen, trust me, you don't have to talk too much. I tell people, I say, why is it that we are talking too much? When we were growing up, those who were born again didn't talk too much. 
We saw it with the lives they lived. Is that true? They didn't need to say anything. So when we had issues, we went to them. We knew who to go to. When the chips were down. We went to them for help. Please pray for us now. Because we have seen them pray. We've seen the lives they lived. We've seen the way they, 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 they did their things. They were not fighting. Their, their families, they, they, the husbands and wives, they are not fighting among themselves. Their relationships were pure. But today, there is, a dif- there is no difference. There is barely any difference between the unbeliever and the believer. So you are wondering what we are doing. You are wondering what we are doing. Thank God for freedom. But the Bible says that freedom that does not have any check is messed up. Is someone understanding? Thank God for the freedom we have in Christ. Thank God for everything that we have. But what is going on in our marriages today? What is going on in our homes today? What is going on among our children? What is going on in our relationships? What is going on in our, in our offices? What is going? How are you different from the next person? What kind of glory are you manifesting is what I'm asking. That's why there is a problem and people can't even come to you. They don't know who will show us any mercy. Definitely not you. Because you don't look like someone who should. At what time did we think that Christianity is getting to a point where we leave everything that makes us or shows us even as Christians? Our lives should speak. St. Augustine said something. He said, preach the gospel if necessary with words. So that means the first way to preach the gospel is your life. If you say you are born again, then let your life show it. Manifest that glory through what you do, through the words that come out of your mouth, through things, the way you behave. Manifest it. Let the people see it first. So that when they come to you and they're asking, you can now say, okay, this is what is happening. This is where I am. Praise the Lord. That one lasts longer. But you know what we are doing is do as I say. Don't do as I do. So you know Jesus saves, eh? Yes. Receive him, okay? Yes. That's all. And then they are looking at you. <laughs> then what betide you if the person finally receives Christ and is living a better life than you? Then they are wondering what it was in the first place that made you come to talk to them because they are looked at, looked at your life and it doesn't show anything. Anyways, I didn't come to condemn anybody. I came to say that we carry a glory. Because the truth about it is that if you don't know what you have, then you don't have the capacity to show it. Is that true? Yeah, you have to. You have to know who you are. You have to know what you have. You have to. If you don't know, you won't be able to show it. Praise God. Jesus radiated glory as a man. Hebrews 1, 3. The Bible said, He being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the power of his word, when he had himself, by himself, purged us and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Look, the Bible says there that he was the brightness of his glory. And the express image of his person. Now that word there is the word apogasma. That's the word of brightness. And it means the off-flashing. The outshining. The effulgence of God's glory. The effulgence. So you look at Jesus' character. His, his, um, his um, attributes. And you will see God. You know he was telling them. He said, have I been this long with you? And you are still asking me, show me the father. You mean you haven't seen the father? Look at me, you will see the father. So Jesus came to earth to show us the characteristics and attributes of the Father. The Bible says he's the shining, the effulgence of the Father, the the off-flash of the Father. That's Jesus. So however Jesus was, is how God is. And that's how we should be. The same attributes, the same characteristics. Praise God. So we carry glory. Let's look at Hosea 4, 6. The Bible says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Thou hast, that thou shall be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy Lord, I will also forget thee. There are three um, steps here, if you look at it. It says my people are destroyed. That's the first thing, for lack of knowledge. So when you don't have knowledge at all, you are destroyed. That's what that scripture is saying. In other words, you don't know anything to do because you don't have knowledge in that particular thing you want to do. So then he says again, because thou has rejected knowledge. So some people have knowledge, but they reject the one they have. Is someone understanding? 
What did the Bible say? They said, I will also do what? Reject you. Then can you see the third one? He said, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law. So some people also know, but they do what? Forget. Are we seeing the different levels? Now, the Bible is saying here that you must not be ignorant of knowledge, in other words, of God's word. You must not do what again? Reject it. And thirdly, you must not do what? Forget it. You can't. You can't. Because any of these three makes you useless in the kingdom. I didn't say that. It's the Bible. It makes you, you are not useful. Because you don't know, or you have forgotten, or you have rejected. But you see, many of us don't know some of these things because we, we have forgotten, we have rejected it, or we just simply don't know. Why? Because we are not going into our scriptures to know who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, what we can do in Christ. Our redemptive realities. We don't know. My brethren, let me ask a question. If your father, for example, passes on at a good old age, and then he leaves you a property, if you don't know about that will, where he wrote the property, will you be able to inherit the property? You won't. I hope you know, you will not. If you don't know, you will not. That's one. Now, if you know and do nothing about it, and you just cross your leg, and you are waiting for the property he will to you to come to you, you know you, you, you won't also get it. Is that true? So you must know and you must do what? Something. That's it. The Bible is God's will. He wrote a will and he gave us. Jesus is the only man who wrote a will. He's the only one who wrote the will and he died. Is someone understanding? And he went to heaven, sat down at the right hand of the father and is making sure that what he wrote in the will is coming to pass in our lives. Jesus is the only man. Other people will die and that's it. Is that true? Yes. They will get an executor for the estate. And you know the executor, some of them, I'm talking about lawyers, some of them can be very wicked. They can go to the back. And they, 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 the property they willed to you in Banana Island, they'll say no. If they didn't will it to you, it's not in Banana Island. It's somewhere else. You know they can lie. Some of them do that. Yes. Because they are the executors of the will. Some of them do that. That's why men, to be able to write wills, make sure that they get very trusted, extremely trusted lawyers. Because when they die, the lawyers can turn around and do other things. Is that true? But this particular man, Jesus, is the one. He didn't trust anybody. He's the one that wrote the will. He gave us everything that we needed to, to, to have. Everything, the Bible says, that pertains to life and godliness. He wrote it down. He gave it to us in scriptures. He wrote it. And then what did he do? He died though. Eh? And then he did what? He resurrected. He took his blood that he shed on the cross and then he went to the throne of God and he made, because he did a remission, it's a complete wiping, it's not an atonement. So he went there and he sat down. The Bible said he did it once and for all. And immediately he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He took the position of mediator. Is someone understanding? So as mediator, so not only is he the writer, he's also the executor of the will as well as the mediator. So he is there making sure that everything he wrote comes to pass. So if it is glory, you have glory. Healing, you have healing. Prosperity, you have prosperity. Long life, it is yours. You are successful in everything you are doing. Is someone understanding? He made sure. So no cutting of corners. No lawyer can come and say, we didn't write. You didn't write. You didn't say. No, 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 no. He's the mediator. And I like to say it this way. Listen to this. Heaven is not a place you get into and you'll be a stranger there. Have you ever wondered that Jesus came down from heaven and took flesh on earth? True or false? But when he was going back, why didn't he go back to the way he was before he came? I hope you know. The Bible records that the apostles looking at him or the disciples looking at him, they saw him go back in the same flesh up. Is that true? He went up. So he acquired flesh here and left in flesh. Jesus went up and he seated at the right hand of the Father today and he looks like you and I. When you get to heaven, you will walk into heaven and you will see him just like you. It won't be a strange place. Is someone understanding? And that's why he can do a good work of mediator. You cannot mediate for someone whom you haven't felt what they feel. <laughs> Is someone understanding that? You know, you cannot mediate. A goat cannot mediate for a cow. And now, 
That's why the Bible can comfortably say that we are seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ. Because we are like him. So we are in him. So man can be in man. But you see, if we don't know these things, we will be walking around the earth like people who don't have a father. Like people who have nothing gifted to them. Like people who God did not shed his blood for. The second person of the Trinity. And because he is like us, looking like us, they are taking care of us, making sure he, everything that concerns us is taken care of in heaven. That's why when there is a meeting in heaven, human beings are represented in the person of Jesus. So when he goes for that Elohim meeting, the Holy Spirit is sitting, the Father is sitting, Jesus is there as both man and God. <laughs> is someone understanding? Because the Bible said he was at all points, did, don't what? Tempted. As you are. At all points. He has one flesh. He knows how it is. <laughs> so I, I, sometimes I picture him. You know, when the Father wants to, you know, do something, you know, shake bodies, when I say, calm down. You know, I haven't won this flesh. I have. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Just calm down. I've, I have won it. I know what it is like. Praise the Lord. Then when men are having meeting, he's the one who is here representing God. So either way, he's 100% man, he's 100% God. That's the kind of person we are dealing with. So are you saying that we will have that person working for us and then we have issues? Is someone understanding? The problem is you don't know who you are. The Queen of England just celebrated her 70th platinum. And there is so much party. If you watch CNN, that's, it looks like the whole, of, the whole of Britain is one large party. Eh? Let me ask a quick question. What if that woman somewhere hmm, had a son in Nigeria? Mm. Well, I'm just saying. You know, let's say something happened and somehow there was a son that you know how they can hide things and then they kept it. Nobody knows. Then all of a sudden, we find out that that son lives somewhere in Ajegunle. Really, really suffering. Really, really in the trenches. You know, of Ajegunle. Just suffering. And then one day he's owing people he's, he's just he's just he's just done for and then one day somebody comes to him and tells him do you know that you are the son of um, the queen of England what do you think eh? see eh, he hasn't seen queen of England though he has never he doesn't have a passport he has never been outside Nigeria but that knowledge that word those words alone who changed his life right there in the trenches of Ajegunle. In fact, the people, if he's owing somebody 1,000, he'll call the person and say, don't worry, I'll give you 10,000, like that unjust servant. How much am I owing you? 80,000, 800,000, don't worry. How much am I owing? 1 million, 20 million, don't worry. He begins to plan his life. Why? Knowledge. <laughs> he knew something. He has come to know something there and then. That he didn't know before. Now has he even handled it yet? No. No, no, no. But he understands who he is. But you know he can also stay there and be crying. And say please take me to my mother first. Let me be sure that what you are saying is correct. That is where, where are you in this story I'm telling. Praise God. You see the word G-L-O-R-I-O-U-S. That's glorious. We are glorious, we are glorious people. We are glorious people. We are glorious children of a glorious God. I'm going to use that as an acronym and I'll tell you what glorious people do. Number one, a glorious person, G, is a God lover. He's a God lover. You must love God. He's the reason you even have any glory at all to manifest. You must love God. Praise God. John 1.12 Bible says, For as many as received him, to them gave he the power to do what? Become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you believe God? Do you believe in what Christ did? Are you a born again Christian? Are you a believer? The, the whole epistles, there is no one single place. Please go through the book of epistles. Perhaps I'm wrong. But the whole epistles, there is no one single place where the Bible says, 
or where the writers of the epistle told Christians to believe. Someone understanding? Now, Jesus could say that when he was on earth because there was nobody again Christian when he was there. I hope you know. Technically, Jesus ministered in the Old Testament. He was a prophet. Because, you know, no um, uh, covenant is, comes into effect except after the death of the testator. Do we remember that? Good. So, technically speaking, the New Testament started when Jesus died. That's the end of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the first parts of those books, technically, they are Old Testament scriptures. So, when Jesus was talking, you know how he used to tell them, have faith in God. So he'll meet uh, about blind Bartimaeus. He'll say, Have you, I'm sorry, he'll say, Your faith has made you whole. Or he'll say, meet another person and say, Why is your faith small? Listen, immediately he died and the New Testament started. There was no single place where they told born again believers to have faith. You know why? Because believers believe. Huh? Is that not why they are calling you believer? Is there any such thing as an unbelieving believer? Huh? Believers believe. That's what we do. Believers believe. So, they took it for granted that it's now that we are going back to start to tell people, we go to church and we're saying, have faith now, believe now, believe. No, 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 no. You're a believer and there's no such thing as an unbelieving believer. So, make up your mind what you are. If you're a non-believer, we know. You're a believer, we know. So, stay one place. Let them find you and bless you. Don't be moving around. Not one place that we are told not one place. So you are a God lover. You are a believer. You love God. I'm telling you, I came here to tell you what you already have. I'm not coming here to tell you so that when we finish, we all start crying. Father, please now give me this, give me that. No, 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 no. You have it already. All things that pertain to life and godliness you have. The problem is that you don't know. Then some know they've rejected. Then some know they've forgotten. So I came to stir all that up. That's what I came to do this morning. You see, the best way to feed your faith is to let your spirit man hear your voice, confess God's word to it. Stop waiting for people to tell you. I wake up in the morning. Remember the day you got born again? Nothing really changed on the physical. True or false? Eh? See, if you were wearing green when you went and got born again, you still wore green going out. Your body didn't change. Is that true? So what, what was reborn is your what? Spirit man. And you don't see it physically. That's where the Holy Spirit lives. So there was a change of nature. Now, that is what has fooled many people. You do not know that things change, that the greatest miracle on earth happened inside of you the day you got born again. So you must, of a necessity, begin to speak to yourself and strengthen your spirit man. There was only one thing we were told to do with our bodies, and that is what to subject it, to bring it as what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Then what are we supposed to do to our souls? To renew it with the word of God. Now, if you don't do any of those, you will still be like you are an unbeliever. That's why every day we are telling you, get born again and believe, know God, have faith. No, you already know God. You received him. That surgery was done and you became a new creature. But you don't know what you have. So you are going around, cap in hand, begging. You are God lover. That's who you are. Bible said you received him and then he gave you the power to become what? Sons of God. Praise God. Let's look at Romans 8. 14. He says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are what again? Sons of God. So those who received him became sons. Those that are led are also sons. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry what? Abba, Father. The spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. Now listen. And if children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that you suffer with him, you shall also be glorified together. Did you see that? So there is children. There are levels to these things. <laughs> there is children, then there is son. Is that true? Remember what the Bible says. It said when a, an heir is still a child, what happens? His inheritance is given to people who will keep it for him. But when he becomes a son, so there are, there are, there are levels. So there are children, then we are sons. Is that true? Then from sonship, there are now heirs. Heirs. Hey, you know what an heir is? Heirs, somebody that they will, when they are writing a will, they give you. But you know, you know, my father-in-law, when he died, he was a man of you know, quite a significant amount of means. Before he died. 
And there was something he did before he died. He was a very intelligent man. Although he didn't go to university, but he was extremely intelligent. He was a trader, a big-time trader in Abaddon. So he wrote a will. He had seen his friends who had died before him. They, their children started fighting after they died. So he said he wouldn't do the same. He has five children too. So he wrote a will, and then he sent it to the children. This was two years before he died. He now told them, he said, read it now. If you have a problem, let me know. <laughs> let me know so that I can settle it now. Not that when... Then there was one other strange thing he did. He has three boys and two girls. The three boys, he gave the will, the properties, all to him as jointly, all to them jointly. None can sell without the other. Someone understand it. None can do anything to any of the properties. Now, he could do that because the children are very close. He did a very good job training his children. I, I tell people that all the time. He did a wonderful job. They are very close. Don't even, even, even wives can't come in between them. That's how close they are, especially the boys. So he willed everything jointly to them. Now, that's when I understood this hairship thing. You understand? Now, uh, now they remember that we all, the girls were there too. Uh, they didn't will property to the girls. So if you have a problem, you ask. Is that not true? But it's his property. He has shared it the way he wants. So there are different ways. So heirs, you know you can be an heir, but they will slip us to you. Another person, they will motorcycle. Another person, they will um, Range Rover. Is that true? Another person, um, a jet, a private jet. But are you all the same surname? Yes. Are you all heirs? Yes, so you are. It's just that the owner has shared it the way he wants. Now, the truth about it is that writing to them in Romans who are Gentiles, co-opted into this commonwealth, that's just like you and I, the writer of Romans is telling, that's Paul, is telling them that, listen, you have been brought into this kingdom. And let me tell you the levels of the bringing in. If the way they brought me into this kingdom was just for me to be able to come and become a Christian and go to heaven at the end of the day, I would be happy. Wouldn't you be happy? If that's where they stopped, we will be happy. Me, I will be happy. I don't know about you. At least heaven is something. But that's not what Paul is saying that happened here. So they brought us into the kingdom, gave us the name, <laughs> the name of the owner of the kingdom at the mention of Jesus, every knee should bow. He said, in my name you shall. Jesus got the keys to the death and hell and he turned around and he gave us those keys. Is someone understanding? The devil, he's defeated the devil so much that the devil doesn't even have the keys to his home. So he turned around and then he gave us the keys. He did all of this oh, for us. And if that was where he stopped, I don't know about you, I'll be happy. I'm not greedy. I'm not a politician, neither am I a delegate. If someone understands, I'm not greedy, I'll be happy. Huh? I'll be happy, I'll be really happy. I'll thank God that that's where he stopped. I have a name. So you call me, I'm Chichi Jesus. That's fine, even if I don't have anything attached to it. Because that name immediately sent, I know where I'm going to, isn't it? Chichi Jesus has a home. You know, we are, we, I live in my father's home. It's my property. My children don't collect keys or ask me to enter the home. The home is more their own than my own. My husband reminded me the other day. The home is more their own than my own. So that's where they brought us and we are happy. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. But this God, what is wrong with him or what is right with him? He can overdo. He didn't stop there. He made us heirs. So not only are we sons who have names, we are now partakers of property. Is someone understanding? So when they say they are reading will, we run and go and check. Perhaps our name is there. Even if it's just bicycle that they will to us. And then the big people in the family, they gave them um, Range Rover and jets. No problem, but bicycle. So if they ask us where we are coming to, I say, Chichi Jesus, I'm coming from the region of my father's will. At least I was there. You don't know what they gave me. It's not your business. It's when I tell you, you know, but I was there. <laughs> For that, I will also be happy. But that's not what the Bible is saying here. The Bible said we are joint heirs. <laughs> do you know you don't know? Yeah, that's why you're still saying just glory and that. You are joint. Do you know what I mean of joint heir? You can't sell without Jesus. They said joint heirs with Christ. <laughs> you cannot sell a property without him. So Jesus comes and sits down. And we are sitting on the same table. And we are discussing what has been willed to us jointly by the Father. 
No wonder he was praying. He said, Father, that they may know that you have loved them with the same love with which you have loved me. When you have this knowledge, I, I, I want you to live here. You know, there was a time we used to wear shoulder pad. Whatever you dress, you wear. You have. You put extra shoulder pad here. I want you to live here. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And it doesn't matter. Even if the landlord is waiting. <laughs> Hallelujah. It doesn't matter. Yes. I want you to live here knowing who you are. If that's all I've done this morning, my work here is done. Knowing who you are. You are a God lover. Praise God. And then because you're a God lover, L, you love people. You love people. God has sent us out there to love people on his behalf. With this knowledge, do you think you'll be going around quarreling with people? Is that what you do now now? Because you know who you are. The children of the Queen of England, you think they go around trying to tell people, do you know who I am? No, no. <laughs> there is an aura that comes around them. When they enter into a place, people know. You had better know. They don't need to make too much noise. Even if they're wearing only jeans and t-shirts. There's something that surrounds them. There's a glory they carry. There's an ambience. Don't ask me how. People that have been around them said that is true. Why I'm using them as an example is that they're the closest to what we have today. Ours is a theocracy. That is a monarchy. Because the heaven is not a, a, a democracy. I hope you know. Uh-uh. So that's why I'm using them. There's something. These people are, they are, they are prejudiced and biased then they are trained as when they are little to think of themselves more highly than other regular individuals. That's why they call themselves blue blood. There is a training that they pass through that when they come into a place, you may not have seen them, but when they walk into a place, you, 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 you arrange yourself. Because royalty has come into the room. Is someone understanding? So we love people. We've been sent to love people. When you get into a place, because you are not as miserable as they look, you can help them. Because if you know who you are, you will be joyful. So, writing to the Philippian prisoners, Paul said, rejoice. And again, I say what? Rejoice. Rejoice. We are happy. It doesn't matter what is happening. What did Paul say? He said, we may be oppressed on every side though, but eh, we are not, our heads are held high. Paul wrote out everything he was going through, and yet, in the midst of it, he was extremely happy. And serving God. When you get in, you love God for people. Or you love people for God. Praise God. You can see that in John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. And that you also love one another. This is the only commandment of the New Testament. That you love people. So a glorious individual, I said the first thing is what? is a God lover. L is what? Loves people. Oh, he's obedient to the word. Oh, you're obedient to the word. I said we are trying to get the word glorious. It's an acronym. You're obedient to the word. Because if you are going to be in this kingdom, there are rules and regulations guiding the kingdom. Isn't it true? You should know how it works. You should know what our father has said. What the Holy Spirit is telling us. What Jesus, you know, um, instituted with his blood. And you should obey the word of God. Isaiah 1, 19 to 20 says, If you be willing and what? Obedient. You shall do what? Eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. You must be obedient to the word of God that you read. You must. You must study it. I'm taking for granted that you are even studying the word in the first instance. Praise God. Next, responsible to family. I'm rounding off because I'm well aware of um, of the second service. You must be responsible to family. Responsible to family. Responsible to family. Responsible to family. I started by saying that this whole work, we are all co-heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Is someone understanding? The men are needed in the work. The women are equally needed. That's the truth. So if we are training men or training women, we should also train men. It requires two to make a family work. True or false? No matter how much you are strong as a woman, if the man refuses and says over his dead body, you can't kill him, that's the thing that made, God, made us the most like God because we have a will. We can make choices. So that's why we must begin to train ourselves. The men are trained. The women are trained. How does marriage work? Let people begin to learn. Don't tell me it's only the woman's responsibility to keep a marriage working. I don't agree. It's not. Train your sons. 
Train your brothers. And then also train your sisters. Train your daughters. Everybody should be trained. In that Ephesians 5, they didn't just give a command to women only. Although that is the only one we happen to see all the time. Submit, submit. Look at that submission and then look at the word love there. The word love comes to men. And do you know, it's the only one there again now where they now explained how the loving should be done. The last time I got pieces of paper preaching. All right. Amen. Praise God. All right. So I'm supposed to round off now. So we must train. I will continue in the second service. Praise God. We must train our everybody, both men and women. Let's be upstanding. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's lift up our hands, please. And let's just thank God. Let's just bless him. Let's thank him for the glory that he has given. We didn't ask for it. We didn't ask for it. But he has decorated us with glory. And told us to go out there and manifest that glory on his behalf. We are to love him and love people. We are to be obedient to the word. We are to be responsible to our families. That's part of showing the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. That is our duty to manifest that glory all around. In the family, we are manifesting it. In the workplace, we are manifesting it. In our careers, our businesses, even those who are politicians, you are manifesting the glory of the Lord. That is how this nation will change. When Christians manifest God's glory. I want you to just tell God, stop looking at me, just tell him, speak to him and tell him that you are ready to do it. That you are ready to manifest his glory wherever you are found. That he can see you fit to be used. That you are ready to be used by him. Yes, you can tell him that. Father, we are grateful this morning. Our hands are lifted up to you. Let's lift up our hands to him. Father, for you to use us to manifest your glory in every place that we are seen. In every corner that we are found. We want to manifest your glory indeed. Thank you for what you already did for us. Thank you for who you are to us, O God. Thank you because you are the Father in glory and you live in glory. Thank you because we are partakers of that divine nature which includes glory. And thank you, Lord, because today we are beginning to know and getting to know, oh God, what you have done for us. How you have given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. How you are the Father of light. We are light and then you are light as well and then you are our Father. How you are opening us up, oh God, even for things you want to do. Thank you for the revival that will burn even brighter through us who are purer vessels. Such that we'll go out and we'll manifest your glory to all that we come across and in all that we do. We thank you, Father. We give you praise. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen.